0: Hi everyone, Lucas Werner here. If you've been enjoying these conversations with artists, I invite you to come visit David's Werner Gallery exhibitions in person. We're located in New York, Los Angeles, London, Paris, and Hong Kong. New exhibitions open each month. Plan your visit at davidswerner.com. From David's Werner, this is Dialogues, a podcast about artists and the way they
1: think. My thing with the gatekeepers is, is I'm more interested in kind of like just kind of knocking down the gates.
2: I, I feel like you have to follow the artist. And I, I think that that's a different way to think about criticism and you know, curatorial practice. I'm Lucas Werner,
0: and every episode features a conversation. We're taking artists, writers, philosophers, designers, and musicians and putting them in conversation with each other to explore what it means to make things today. This week's pairing, the photographer Tyler Mitchell, and the writer and art critic Antoine Sargent. Tyler and Antoine have emerged as two of the most exciting young voices moving between the worlds of art and fashion. And two years ago, when he was only 23, Tyler became the first black photographer to shoot the cover of American Vogue. And those images of Beyonce really felt like they prompted a cultural conversation that needed to happen. Tyler is also a fine artist, a fine art photographer. He opened a show in January at the ICP in New York, which is sadly closed now. And I met him in the context of a Roy de Carava exhibition we hosted at the gallery in 2019, where Tyler gave a walkthrough that tied images from the 1950s and 60s to a contemporary way of seeing and of being in the world as a photographer, and showed the way that Roy had broken boundaries for young Black photographers today. Antoine's writing has appeared in the New York Times and the New York Review of Books, among many other places. He's also organized exhibitions, Uh, but I met Antoine in the context of a big book he did for Aperture, called The New Black Vanguard, Photography Between Art and Fashion, in which he identified a group of young black photographers that were really blurring the lines between fashion, editorial, and fine art photography. And one of those photographers was Tyler Mitchell, and there's an image of Tyler's on one of the covers of that book. So these two really know each other well, and as you'll hear, They're great supporters and also really honest critics of each other. We could start maybe with the new Black Vanguard, and maybe you could tell a little bit about the background of that idea, how it sort of came together as now a show and a book.
2: Yeah, I mean, the new Black Vanguard features 15 photographers working internationally with ideas surrounding art and fashion. They're kind of pulling from both of those worlds to create their own universes, kind of to think about beauty and race and power and what is possible in the space of a photograph. But how it began, actually, is with Tyler. The Aperture was really interested in working with Tyler I felt it was too
1: early. Felt it was too early. What the, the ask was, Would you, do you want to make a book? And so many photographers have amazing books with aperture. And so I felt like I'd had this, I'd had like editorials and I'd had like commercial stuff I was making, but I didn't feel like I had like a solid, solid like body of work, like Zanelli Mahali level, you know, or like Joel Meyerowitz level. Like there. So I actually said like, I feel it's too early. And yeah. Yeah.
2: The photographers I'm most interested in right now really have used the medium to force both art and fashion, um, institutions to pay attention to them. And they've largely done that by circumventing them. And I think that's a story. And I think that when, if there were a group of young white photographers who had done the same thing, right, changed the industry, those, the ways that they have, there would have been no question, there'd been 10 fucking books on them. Maybe each would have had their own book. Right. And so, I was just like, I felt lucky because I was like sitting here watching this kind of happen. I had relationships with Tyler. I had relationships with others who had built up kind of to this moment, right? So someone like AWOL, right? Someone like, who you know, obviously, someone like Joshua Kissy, who started Street Etiquette in 2008, this blog and, you know, and all these things. And I just felt like it was time, you know. There was It was a moment to kind of put that history on the record and then kind of create a beautiful object that really spoke beyond just kind of the confines of the art world and really kind of spoke to everyday people who kind of experience these images online or in magazines or if they venture into museums. And so I was trying to hold all of that stuff in my mind as I was putting together the book. So I,
0: this is not something I was even thinking about asking, but as you mentioned it, so many of the photographers do work between fashion mm-hmm. and visual art. And I feel that that's sort of quintessential to this you know, new black vanguard and maybe to the vanguard in general, that these genre distinctions don't really matter anymore. And, you know, or, or at least, you know, Tyler, you came and spoke about Roy carava And I think mm. you, you very kind of honestly said, this is how I have been able to get people to look at my images, you know, mm. in editorials. And so I'm curious if you think, how you're thinking about that difference. Because at the same time, you recognize that being in the context of someone like Roy is much different yep. than or or feels different yep. than being part of a fashion
1: editorial you know no totally it definitely does feel different and obviously the worlds kind of do have you know their own context and I just feel like honestly there are people like a Virgil Abloh who are blending and moving between these different worlds so seamlessly and they're mainly context for him to play with with his universe of work and so I feel like that might be what some of the photographers in this book are doing on some level, like with images, like they're just kind of viewing these different outlets as contexts to, to place their work in. And then this context, it isn't better or worse. It's just different. And this con, you know, whether that be on a wall or in a book or in a fashion magazine, they're all kind of ways to speak about black identity and about beauty and about clothes and about society. And that was kind of, and I thought this like resulting product was like, you know, way better than a single artist monograph because it brings all these kind of moments together and actually makes kind of a catalog of a real kind of build up to something. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. But I also think that one of the things that when you talk about the boundaries and talk about, yes, you're, you and the, your generation of photographers, which is like, fuck that, you know? And and rightfully so, because if you think about the boundaries, if you think about the boundaries but say... If, photography right as a um as something that the art world even start taking seriously that only starts in 19 in the 19, late 1960s early 1970s you really kind of get a real push with robert mabrethorpe's work right that that becomes the and, and why that is is because it became commodifiable right hmm. and so you had to kind of figure out a way in photo to make a distinction between images that were widely available and images that were collectible, right? Right. And so you have this solidifying of genres in photo that... Otherwise, it didn't really matter all that much because if you think about someone like Richard Avedon, right, who moved in and out of certain genres, right, but that that same type of movement it's really important to acknowledge wasn't given to someone like James Banar, right, or wasn't given to someone like James Vanderzee, or wasn't given to someone like Rodé Caraba, right. So so they had to kind of you know work in a more kind of constricted way if they wanted their works to be taken seriously. And even then, no, they weren't, right? This is years, this is decades and decades later that we were having conversations about um, these photographers who were working and creating in those communities, you know, for decades. But it's it's kind of amazing how
1: much in the book you emphasize how important their work was to allow us to do what we're doing, because they had to kind of break so many boundaries in their context like roy alone had to do so much to really position himself as an art photographer you know until he got a huge retrospective at at moma and got the gained the respect of of Ansel Adams and so and Edward Steichen, so many legendary photographers. So he had to do all that so that we could kind of do
2: what we're doing now, which is seamlessly moving between. I feel like you have to follow the artist, right? I feel like in anything, as someone who is you know a critic or it's, if I'm organizing exhibitions, what I'm basically doing is following what the artists are telling me, you know, is happening, right? And I, I think that that's a different way to think about criticism and you know curatorial practice, right? I, I think that for so long we've tried again to to force our, you know, certain people try to force their wills on what was kind of happening, right? Because you have Basquiat in 1980s walking, you know, uh, uh, Comme de Gassons shows. You have, you know, so you have, you've always had this kind of intermingling. I think that there have been, you know, educational, financial, whatever forces, you know, editorial forces that wanted to keep those worlds separate to not only kind of wrangle value out of it out of those kind of separations but also control right and so if you controlled you know vogue magazine or if you controlled you know photo at moma or whatever you can you know allow the artists that you you know want into those spaces yeah. and to kind of do whatever you you know they want in those spaces and you can keep the other ones that you don't want in out so the follow up and maybe this is the Interesting when you talked
0: about the attention Tyler is getting in particular, but there are other younger artists that I think are feeling that heat in a way. That mm-hmm. it does also feel like a moment where the power centers really are around the artists, right? right More exactly. than they have been before. For sure. And is that something that you sense? Like it's not like curators are not, they're, nope. they're, there's no nace, the sort of gatekeepers are not really keeping the gates anymore. They're trying to move the gates to find <laughs> out where the heat is and, right. and, and be in conversation with artists. I mean,
2: that might be true, yeah. I think so. I think they're very... They're just... It's now just a couple of... They're, they're less, right, gatekeepers, right? Yeah. So I, I think that... Yeah, before it was the curator, you know, or was the magazine editor, right? Like, in those two worlds, those were the people who, you know, said what was what, right? Now you can... You know, what I love about this generation, what I love, what, even what, what you've done, you know, I think people and I, I constantly correct us in interviews, I think people, there's this kind of subtle way of talking about, you know, your historic cover with Vogue, and there's this, you know, Vogue, you know, gave him this cover, right? <laughs> and, and I think that, like, yes, on a practical level, someone at Vogue reached out to you, right? That happened. But there was also this other thing that, what this happened is, like, you just, it's not just by chance that you did this, right? And it's not just by chance that at 23, when there's, you know, Lots of other photographers that could have, that should have, that could, you know, all of these things for that cover, they did, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that people underestimate the way, the first of all, the work, but also the ways in which you knew how you had to move. To make sure that that happened, right? Yeah. And 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 I think that is something that's always like the that level of finesse, you know, <laughs> like it's it's something not accounted for. Like you know, you we're all kind of in these worlds in some way, and like no one, you know, does anything any or rarely do people do things because out of the goodness of their heart, you know, um, especially take a chance like that, right? right? And so I don't know, maybe I think, I think yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear about that. that.
1: I think yeah, to expand on that, like. My thing with the gatekeepers is, is I'm more interested in kind of like just kind of knocking down the gates. It's not getting rid of gatekeepers, but it's actually if we can just as I've always been as transparent as possible, like even in working with you, you know, you know things that I don't know. And then and then we can have that exchange because right. then you're able to kind of support and then we're able to have a dialogue and then I'm able to talk about what I'm thinking about. And that should be the relationship between like a so so like, quote unquote, gatekeeper and artist right because I think actually the right. gatekeepers can kind of just if they open the gates and they let like whatever is supposed to come in come in then you might have a space for something interesting and new like that was my insistence on moving into fashion because at first before really doing big fashion commissions I was outside fashion doing more music and backstage photography and I was a film student at NYU and I was making music videos and so I never really thought that actually pushing my way into fashion was going to work. Mm. But being insistent in that level of finesse and kind of just being as transparent as possible, I think, with gatekeepers and being like, this is what I want Mm -hmm. and this is what I think I deserve and being very kind of decisive and choosing different opportunities with intention. Like, I think that's what led to this moment. And I think everybody with the internet, there was more vulnerability. There was more openness around what people were doing and what they were able to do. That allowed all these photographers to start kind of thinking this way. Right. Like that's why I'm not kind of just referencing myself or just talking about my own practice because all these photographers grew up with at least five years of Instagram along with making their practices. So they were able to see like, oh, if I saw somebody across the world like Campbell Addy making his own magazine. Right. You know, he's not waiting for days to commission him for fifteen pages, but he's gonna make his own magazine. And Campbell actually commissioned me to do a cover for his magazine. Then these dialogues started happening and then we were able to all help each other up on the way to kind of like changing that
2: conversation with gatekeepers. So yeah. And you know what happens in that that's a beautiful illustration, right? That what happens then is someone like me or someone like you or someone, you know, in the art world, you know, who might be narrowly focused on what the art world is and, 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 the, and those traditions and, you know, keeping that in those institutions or whatever. We come across, you know, Tyler Mitchell, Campbell Addy, Renell Madrino, whoever, and we see that they have 300,000 followers and they and that they, you know, have built whole communities mm. around what they do and, you and, and in some ways we're like okay well how did we miss that or how yeah, did we yeah. how do we not know that 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 this generation were you know creating in their own ways and in, and we we call ourselves you know critics and curators and dealers and whatever and we 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 think of like they think of ourselves you know with our hands on the pulse and it's like there's this whole other thing happening it
0: raises the question for me about the kind of whole issue of authority and and where it comes from and what i I guess what i'm getting at is you've got the authority of an audience right Right. which is one kind of authority then you've got the authority of expertise which we call some academic authority and it seems to me that a lot of breaking down of the gates is also really challenging the academic authority with audience authority it's saying if people are paying attention and they're moved by something art is about moving people and the story that you've been telling needs to be amended in some way that said there is something to be said for the expertise side i mean you certainly are someone who has you know, educated yourself largely right. very deeply and widely on a number of topics. And that mm-hmm. education is giving you the tools to do the kind of things that you're doing. Right, And I'm just curious how you feel this next generation of creative people navigates that. Like the, the whole question of, it. you know, there are certain pipelines and we'll talk about those right. later, but largely those are not as relevant as they might once have been. In terms of art historians and that path leading to curators yeah. and curators making the same decisions based on with you know whom they studied with and so on and so forth it's more now i think artists making decisions in conversation with other artists in conversation with creative collaborators right
1: i think it's nice to have like that council of advisors that's mm. kind of what i go to is like a group of friends a group of collaborators antoine is definitely one of my biggest ones who i kind of talk to all the time about just daily decisions like related to big art choices like and or just big anything choices, Mm -hmm. you know, related to image making. And I think council of advisors is one way. And I also think in terms, I really love that way of looking at there's expertise and there's audience. And I think if you can really master both, because I don't think it's about putting all your, you know, eggs in one basket, like if you just have this huge audience and you're leading them into this like senseless, you know, mob mentality place, then It's just everyone's losing. And if you have only expertise and kind of no way to communicate that, then nobody's really getting at anything. So it's like I've been learning a lot through people like Antoine about kind of my own craft in a more like scholarly way, but also in a more historic way. And um, just trying to dig deeper into that because now I feel like the audience is there and I really want to know what I'm talking about. I think it felt really important to me immediately after the Vogue cover to really hone in on that
2: level of, like, expertise, you know. Your education was pretty formal, too. Yeah,
1: I did. Yeah, that's true. Also, just NYU film school and Deborah Willis, you know, understudy student slash pupil. All of those things, definitely my education was formal and, like, going to, like, a private school in in the South and everything else. But it really felt even more important after the Vogue cover to really just start to learn more about history. You know,
0: maybe just for the for the audience is listening to this you would take us through that vogue cover story i mean i'm sure you've talked about it before yeah. but from your per- like how did it unfold what were the actual steps what what actually happened
1: yeah cuz i basically i mean almost a year before the vogue cover itself i i was in london i graduated school in the spring of 2017 in the fall of 2017 i took got a one way ticket to london I decided i want to really pursue kind of meeting with agencies meeting with magazines and i really wanted to just get into fashion dive in i don't know why i was first i was completely outside it but i was inspired by photographers like vivian sassen wolfgang Tillmans, R. markopoulos these people who were doing commissions but then also had their own personal kind of okay. things that they were doing and blending all of it into one and then basically i went to london For two months, and no magazine wanted to commission me for anything. I would send 10 ideas to every magazine, and nobody was really commissioning. And so kind of went back a bit defeated, but kept pushing. And essentially, it became a bit of like a a breadcrumb trail of things. I met Jimmy Mm Moffat, who founded Art and Commerce and represents Stephen Mizell. And I met Campbell Addy, who in London commissioned me and is in the New Black Vanguard book to shoot a cover with Kelsey Liu for his magazine Knee Journal. And so London was a kind of a ticket to some acceptance in fashion because then ID would commission me and London's a huge city for fashion. And so then Jimmy Moffat, Campbell Addy, just starting to get like that council of advisors and that community going was really important. But also just making sure the work was really strong and just really fucking good. Like and just kind of then continuing from there, Jimmy put me in his Red Hook Lab show Mm. in New York, which was the first time I ever saw my work on a wall. Before wow. that. Um, always in,
0: in magazines, right? Now. Always
1: in magazines or on Instagram. And that was the summer of 2018. And I got into, that was an open call show for all new artists, unrepresented, un- kind of gallery represented, unagency represented. That same summer, I got into Antoine's summer open show. So I was curated into two group shows that summer, which was a big summer for me. And the creative director of Vogue saw my work at either one or both of that shows. And that was then it was that combined with a couple other things it was combined with the work I'd done for Team Vogue, which was shooting Emma Gonzalez for the cover of Team Vogue's last print issue mm-hmm. after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. So it was like there was this political element. There was this like fashion element and this art element that all like clicked at once. Mm. And I think. Yeah, then the conversations kept going. And then Raul Martinez, creative director of Vogue, called me. Actually. And and then, you
0: know, when you got in, I mean, obviously, Beyonce is the subject of the cover. And, and I think the, the myth around it is that you retained creative control of the final image. Or, yeah. And I'm curious about hearing your side of that and not that we need to kind of go into the politics of how these work oh, yeah we do know that creative directors and, and publications gatekeepers tend to want to exert influence yeah. on the kind of image you make and i think that's why artists typically do not do that
2: and work es- with them. and especially but there the- was a i mean not to i don't speak out of turn i'll let you talk about how much is it, if you want to but there was something in the way that you handled that situation that re- maybe resulted in a different outcome if you did not kind of assert yourself
1: right yeah that was a big conversation because again I think leading up to I think my work always pointed towards no matter what context I was within there was still this very strong voice that was in all of my work and so I think that was the pre-existing context to how you might know me as a photographer that I wasn't just going to approach a commission kind of with a style that photographers before me might approach it, which is kind of an executionary style of what's the brief? What does the creative director want? How many double page spreads or how many single page spreads? And then they kind of think in terms of that math. I don't really think that way. And so I think that pre-existing condition allowed for a dialogue with Vogue and with, with Anna Wintour, that was a lot more open and allowed me to be a lot more, like you said, kind of assertive. And I think that also comes from I think a lot of photographers are doing that now who are in this book. I think we've been doing that where the commissions we've been able to come in and really kind of open things up and not kind of be like, okay, it's three double page spreads and then it's six single page spreads. And we have to have her in this look in front of this background. It was way more free than that. And it was really that from the very first conversation with Vogue, it was very much we want these pictures to feel like your pictures, your personal work. And we want these pictures to feel as intimate as you in a room with one of your best friends and a fabric behind that you would hang behind them in your apartment. And that was what I was doing. And so I said, okay, well, not only do I not know anything else, but also that's kind of what I kind of need to insist and have the space to be able to do is I need to be able to make Beyonce feel a part of that photographic world. And I need to be able to have that space to work and do that.
2: And and that's just not, and I think part of what I think, like, as my role in in this book, it's to just keep on saying that, you know, this is because these artists have gone about this differently, right? That they had... said you know what i'm going to be you know uh, kind of create my own path but so when i do get opportunities you know life-changing opportunities you know i know what i do i know who i am right right and i think that's a different kind of a- and i would walk away and I if walk i'm away. not allowed to be who i am right That. that's the sort of like, and that's something you see in this generation that i just have not seen see. previously yeah like right. people are ready to like walk i'm away. not doing that yeah you know people
1: can easily sense that i would feel no, nope. no kind of way about walking away from something. And that's not like, that's not a bratty thing, but I think that's actually a very amazing thing about the internet is that people are able to see more, right. more, there's more visibility around how much things are really worth. And then that's happening in all industries. You know, there was everything that was coming out in the film industry about men actors who are being paid mm-hmm. way more than yep. women actors and that whole movement, that frontier. And then there was so much about, Transparency within a photography community about hey, what's your day rate and what are you getting paid? If I do that lookbook, like what would that be? And there was an actual and also how you're conversation and dialogue, how yeah,
2: you're treating yeah. your subject and how we're treating our subjects because yeah. I think that also led to an opening in some of these traditional magazines that would have not been there, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that when you have the same six people shoot your covers mm-hmm. every year, mm-hmm. and then four of them are con- accused of sexual assault that you can no longer use because the public is saying no more of this, right. um, you gotta find some new talent. Yeah,
0: I mean, what's amazing to, yeah, what, what, what I also think is happening in this world, and maybe that was the impetus for the fashion question, is that you know it used to be that <clears throat> galleries were sort of the the place where the artist had the most freedom, right? Like your studio and what would happen in a gallery. In a gallery, you could shape your exhibition and present your work in exactly the way you wanted to within the confines of whatever that space is. And it felt like everything else was much more restrictive, right? And it seems like the way brands, what what people want now, and I know it from publishing books, like I can always tell what what really resonates with people is when you hand over a lot of
2: control to artists in a process. And that's a little bit what you were saying too. Yep. I mean, there's an example in this book. Burberry commissioned three of the photographers from the book to create some images around a, a capsule collection that they did that celebrated the book, right? And early on in that conversation, there was an understanding that Burberry was not going to try to tell them what to do, and that was the basis of the whole thing. That literally was like, "Here are the clothes. Here's a budget." Let us know if you need anything, yeah. you know. And I think the and that's what you know made that project I think successful in the sense that they were unlike any images that Burberry had previously shot, and that you saw the artist's voice, right? You saw that kind of come come through, and they made some money. You know, something
0: is happening in the art world, which is this this massive attention, and it's happening in all creative fields. But I think the art world for us, it's more everyday, right? On black artists, right? right. Like black artists are being celebrated, given shows collected bought in a way that's sort of like out the gate that we've never really seen before you right. know like the, these kind of market phenomenon of graduating from yale or coming out of the studio museum and suddenly having this massive market being offered right. major top shows and then you know the the, the dark side which is this kind of right. horrible after effect because a career hasn't properly been built right exactly and i'm just curious to hear in a funny way what you said earlier but you're really your read your take on that you
2: know I mean, I think it's, it's happening. I think that we're all not going to make it, you know? I think that there is a danger in allowing a young artist who should be, you know, in the studio struggling, figuring it out, too many platforms. I think you're seeing, at least with a few of them, the really bad side of that, meaning that we're getting really shitty work that we have to you know that, that people are just kind of applauding in ways that are not going to be helpful to the artists. and and then you have a secondary market that is ferocious and that's going to be ferocious, right? There's this thing that's happening and this it starts in some ways in my opinion, this is totally just my opinion at Yale it, with these these at Yale, which is in where it's open season. That gallerist and and galleries get to go there and engage artists, and it 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 shortcuts the the education because if a gallery from New York is coming up and saying, "Hey, we're going to put you in a group show or whatever, or we're going to put you in a, or we're going to give you your own show," then what what criticism can anyone what the, any of the critics that they employ what what can they say? They've already kind of. Um, made it, you know, in, in that way, right? And so I think that like it's some of the institutional forces need to kind of think about their role in the art that we get to see, right? And how it's definitely, you know, academic and cantorial and, and exceptional and aesthetic, but it's also in relationship to the market. And I think that we need to we need to all be a little bit more honest about the roles that we play in um helping to um, value, create value, create values around an artist's work because in, uh, and quite frankly, you know, it's like something that I'm constantly always struggling with. You know, it's, it's this person who I mean, you inadvertently, Tyler inadvertently, you know, kind of called me a gatekeeper, and I didn't really ever think of myself that way. Like in the sense that I'm just like kind of like oh, I'm just kind of out here doing, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and 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 you I know? think for a lot of young black artists, I am. You are looking; they are I, looking I, to you. I you think know, they I are saying, as one. "Where,
0: where's the, where's the young guiding light? Here's." A person who's done the reading and right. who can actually tell me how to better understand what i'm trying to do exactly. and that's all it really should be as you said to be a gatekeeper i mean i think in the past it's been much more nefarious exactly. It's actually about closing doors right but in the best case it's like if you're curious i'm here to enable Exactly. Like, I'm here to empower.
1: Yeah, and I think
2: that. But I also why. have to be a little bit more. Uh, you know, all everyone looks. She needs to look in the mirror, and I think that like now that that is a thing that I think I'm becoming more aware of. That that I I have to be a bit more critical. Like like mean I need I need I need to I need to, you know. No, I mean, go f- comes really the... super kind of traditional, and you know, talk some shit about some shows that I do. not like, You know, <laughs> like like in just some like in just the, just in. Keeping the tradition alive, but also in that I really do think my I think myself as a critic first and foremost. No matter what, no matter what I do, part of the issue is that very often these are also the people I came in age with, right? These are the people that 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 when no one would let me write about their work, they did, right? And I I think there you form a certain allegiance to to your generation, to your peers, but I also think that there needs to be an exchange, and I think that you know some of my peers my you know and and have there's this thing that they think they're above criticism that or if someone leveled criticism that it should be someone with who is black or within the circle within the community and i don't think that i think that's just such a dangerous place to be I, i i really do
0: well i think you know part of what's happening and you know i'd be curious what you think tyler is that you know the traditional role of the critic as this kind of removed personality, that, that's just that's just changed. You know what I mean? And right. in a funny way, I look- Or I think I look, got more honest about what was happening. Exactly, which is that there were a million friendships behind the scenes and everyone was patting everyone 100%. back and that's just the way the world 100%. works, right. right? And so now it's saying like, I'm a person in a context, in a historical moment. I speak to the people that I speak with. And I also am someone who has judgments and can pass judgment. Exactly objectively in quotes because what is that anyway but i can remove myself somewhat from the judgments that i pass and i can do that and it sounds like it's about exercising that second function as well as the kind of primary function which is being in a network of people and allowing them and enabling them
2: for sure but i also think and I'll, i'll let you weigh in tyler but i also think that for me criticism isn't necessarily about and this is a break from what we have had traditionally it's really about Starting where the art with the, where the artists say the work is right, and then stress testing those assumptions and those and do those assumptions show up in the work? And if so, how do they show up in the work? Right, and so I think that like I'm still generous, willing to be generous enough to say, okay, let's start on your turf, right? Opposed to going into a exhibition and being the almighty I, you know? And I think, because I, I'm just like, who cares? Yeah, yeah it's right. true. It's just not that interesting. Yeah, like, right. it's just not that interesting. Like, who, who cares what, you know, someone who has ignored, you know, Carrie James Marshall for 30 years have to say about Carrie James Marshall? You know, like, are you going to, you know, kind of announce why you ignored him for 30 years? Because I think that'd be more interesting than than you, like, now just feeling the need to lot praise because the art world has gotten behind that artist. And so I think that, you know, and also I got on Twitter the other day and challenged, you know, some of these critics, you know, some of our, our you know, 30, 40-year-old, you know, critics who have been in these positions to go see the show and to engage the argument of the show, right? I mean, you can't have, on one hand... 500, 600, 700 people show up at a gallery in Chelsea, right, to see art and then say that um, somehow um, what you're offering kind of a look at the contemporary landscape, right? Right. So like, we shall see, you know, what happens.
0: And I I wanted to hear a little bit about your, Tyler, your project that you're in the process of thinking through and and working on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the, this idea of the boom of buying black art and, going back to that, because I think a lot of my work and or a lot of what I've, my mind has been on that basically since conversations we've had with Antoine. And my mind has basically been on how to fortify, how to fortify what I'm doing in terms of spending time in the studio more, you know, not being out three nights a week and not being kind of, I guess, it's just like all this homework stuff that I just need to do to make sure my work is good and that it can't really be fucked with. <laughs> like, then I can think about the navigational roadmap stuff Like, where to, like, just all of those questions that black artists are having right now of, like, how do I fortify and make sure I have a career for the next 40 years, not just get bought up by every institution to have a show and then the work gets dumped. Like, that's our existential crisis right now. And I think then that goes into what you're saying about how we dialogue and how how Antoine challenges me and how I challenge Antoine. And then I guess all I'm trying to say is, in addition to making sure the work is good and that I'm happy with it. All of the choices that go into how to make sure that I have a long career need to kind of be had with a circle of people. Yes, right like right,
0: that right. there's again the council of advisors yeah right, that that's what i'm creating a context in which that work will continue to have a life yeah because work continues to have a life when people are talking and thinking about it right, exactly. that is simply i mean that is why a museum show forget the sim- symbolism of exactly. a museum show the reality is why is a museum show important because right. people get to see the fucking work right exactly. which otherwise would be in a studio and no one would see or in a private home why right. is it a priority to sell to museums because other human beings can then that's access it. the work yeah. you know what i mean like then, that is the yeah.
2: fundamental priority right and the curators then over time get to make connections as the history of art moves beyond you, right? And I think like that's just super important. And I think that, you know, like me and Tyler, you know, it's not to say that we agree on everything because we don't, you know, but it, I think there's also um this thing of, you know, the easiest way I can describe our relationship is when he was in the middle of the Vogue storm, you know, like all the attention and all the stuff and Robin Gavin, the the fashion credit at the Washington Post, you know, has won a Pulitzer for a, like very important black critic. Oh yeah, did um, she write like a? And she really wrote a. a she was not filling. She the didn't image, like the shoot, right? She did she not like the, like the shoot. She was saying that she said they're bad fashion images. They're bad, but which is which is she said they were not iconic fashion images, right? And but you were not trying. To I'm cool with that. A fashion image. And no. so for her, someone who is very much you know steeped in a tradition of fashion images need to be iconic, etc., Tyler was so far outside of that, which I think speaks to his project, right? That And she made a comment on it. And so I sent him a thing. I go, I know there are a lot of people blowing smoke up your ass right now. I love that but- article. You should I also, read this article yeah. because not because I was trying to tail him down or bring him down was because in those moments where you have, you know, say a book that everyone's loving or say, you know, this kind of attention. I think the best kind of thing to keep you level are people who might not share the same opinion among you know, people who might, you know, who do, right? And so I I think that, like, for me, that was one way that I knew when Tyler responded, was like, yeah, I'll read it, let me read it, let me try to, and then we kind of had this kind of exchange about, like, what she thought, and, you know, and all these things, that I knew that he was someone kind of interested in a different kind of engagement, right? He wasn't just there to be allotted, and having every, you know, the, the problem with this moment is that everything that comes out of a studio by young black artists these days, um, and it, it's coming out fast? They the expectation is for everyone to say, "Oh, this is great," and it needs to be like the gold. Everything, standard. yeah, everything you make is great. Like, and you're not challenged. you know to your like you have to challenge yourself. You have to have a conversation to say that, okay, like everything I write isn't great, you know. And for me, it's like it's the pro, you know, the, how I do it, how I bear writing, is that to know that. I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to try again, right? And that's the exchange, at least for me personally, you know, that matters the most, right? It's, it's me kind of having that exchange with with myself and the page and then a public.
1: Yeah. And then I think there's another level which is kind of, well, first I loved that criticism that she wrote. And when you sent me that, I, I was like, tell me more about this. And I feel like anytime somebody kind of challenges or, Write something like that about what I'm making. I'm really, really good and eager to kind of lean in and hear more, and not that's rare. That's not oh, (laughs) and that's hard because I loved. I love like kind of taking that beating in some weird way because I actually really want to make it better. Like I, I, I'm kind of always asking myself, how can it be
2: better, or how can this be better? And I'm not really or clarify your position. yeah. Yeah,
1: or clarify your position because for
2: her. It wasn't that, like, you could not make that image, because you could have made a a traditional, iconic, you know, kind of fashion image, but that wasn't what you were trying to do. And so yeah. I thought that when she wrote that, it was a way for you to... Maybe understand my fundamental
1: position as a photographer. And double my down. My aim or my goal, exactly, and double down. And then there were so many people who I was reading on, like, on, like, forums and blogs, like the Fashion Spot, like, mm-hmm. traditional people who really love, you know, the old vote, right. quote-unquote. The Avidon Vogue and the and the, and the and the Mizelle Vogue. They love that stuff. And then and then my shoot comes out and they're like, what the hell is this? You know, they're like, where's the old? Where's this is how Beyonce is supposed to look. And there was like a bashing of like my images. And I really, I read all that because I actually really was like, oh, okay, like I understand that this re- like this speaks, this has a certain energy and resonance. The people who want that kind of Avedon image, I don't produce that now I can actually learn more about my practice and what I'm subconsciously doing with making pictures. Like I'm making things that are intimate, that kind of feel undone or, or paired back or not glamorized or glamored up. And that's when I'm that's how I'm kind of trying to depict or paint the black subjects I'm photographing. and And so when you see Beyonce on that cover with the kind of laundry line, which is like such a clear reference to the proverbial space of the domestic black woman or the working black woman in these Pan-African colors and that dress, that's kind of like, that's what I'm going for. I'm not going for a glamour and glitz kind of image. So that it's good, like that conversation. And then also just having a conversation with the circle of advisors, council of advisors who are able to push me forward or say, I don't like that or I don't like this. That's the most important part. And then I think we need more of that within black circles that's what i think and i think we need more because there's a lot of padding on the back and i think sometimes i can be hard and extreme with this but i really feel that also it's about there's the gate there's we're talking about gatekeepers and institutions and artists there's more need for forming our own institute our institutions we always say that and that message needs to be preached and beat into the ground like i think and it still needs to be beaten to the ground still needs to be talked about we need to form our own so that we're able to You know, then have these conversations, welcome people in, form a circle and have dialogues and then make things better and then not see artists work just plummet to the to the bottom of the ocean and get forgotten.
2: I mean, there there have you know, and again, there are histories, right? I mean, in 1970s and 80s and early 90s, there were real debates around. You know the role of art, but made by Black artists from within the community to the community, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have this debate around Black, what Black art means, right? And you have that comes out of the ni- you know late 1960s, early 70s when we are as a nation kind of going through an identity crisis, right? And you have people saying things, you know, taking you know stances and saying that you know Black art needs to be social. And it needs, it needs, it has a social end and it needs to have, it cannot just be aesthetic, right? But then you have someone like Ed Clark, right? Who's a, who's, you know, making these and his work making sublime, you know, kind of post war abstraction. But his work is being, he's being told that he's not black enough, right? That he's not making art that was going to help free Black people, right? right. And these were debates that they were having right. to each other's faces, right? right? Right, right. Like right or wrong, or you know, whatever you, however you, you personally. But these were debates that were being held, right? Yeah, right. And, and what's scary
1: now is that everybody feels an immense pressure, and myself included. I'm not excluded from this to perform and look like we're doing great in the midst for sure. of for sure. for sure, trying to have these dialogues. Will take years.
0: Yeah. Also, like, I, a studio <laughs> practice is not is not great. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's a corrective process. Exactly, it's a, yeah. just like a writing process. Not glamorous.
1: Exactly. I mean, like right.
0: glamorous is yeah when you have the show. Well, so but, if you want to yeah. perform glamour, then you are going to have to sidestep the processes that actually are what creates all the work. You yeah, know, and, like I, and real do you, work.
2: I do fall Instagram for that in some ways, yeah. where you you get on people get online, artists get online and they, like, I don't show, like, I'm on Instagram all the time. I don't show you, like, oh, I wrote a sentence today, so don't show me the fucking hand you made. Know. You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, it really is. Yeah, work
0: in progress is a very strange, it's, it's also infiltrating, again, that quiet studio space. Exactly. It to be different.
2: When people say studio practices, our generation, and when they, you know, when they say, and I think we can talk about our generation kind of openly and critically because we are all of the same, you know, generation. I think when, when we say studio practice, it's not what People like this correct like when you talk about corrective process, when you talk about experimentation, when you talk about you know messy, when you talk about failure. You know, because that's what's usually what you're doing in the studio 90% of the time. That's what I'm doing on the page 90% of the time until I get to a place, right? And, you know, talk about all the images that you took, right? That, that you, that, that just does not, they don't fucking work, no. right? You're no. not posting that on Instagram. No, like, no, no. hey, guys, I failed today, right? No. And I, But I do think that's more so than a generation. It's a cultural thing. Because I think when you, when Tyler said, you know, we feel a need to perform a level of success, and, we, and, and I think that's an American cultural thing. And I feel strangely currently in between those two,
1: like I am feel somewhat on a bridge between those two kind of pillars. Like the there's, I haven't in my life, you know, had that ability to kind of fail and have this studio practice that's had these meandering years. Like I was immediately catapulted into For this sure. space that I'm in now. And now I have to learn and do the homework and the research. And so I just feel like, I just feel a lot like right now I have this kind of vessel in communication with, I guess, young artists like who are just learning and just getting what they want to do off of Instagram. And that's young Atlanta photographers who feel I want to make a book. And I'm like, okay well, that's not what happens first like trying to kind of mentor them and trying to kind of talk to them. And then also connected to this older generation, you know, people who have more kind of institutional ties and ask me who are young Atlanta photographers who I could kind of work, and then I'm kind. I do feel somewhat between. I'm I'm an artist myself, and I'm interested in making things and then telling stories. But I also have this like connection between two generations. I feel because of the position I'm in and this responsibility because of the historical, the history I made. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, on that note, I think I want to say thank you both, Tyler and Antoine, for for thank this you. afternoon and for talking. I think yeah. it's really really special to have you both. So thank you, thank you for your honesty.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you so much.
0: Dialogues is produced by David Warner. You can find out more about the artists on this series by going to davidswerner.com dialogues. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help other people discover the show. I'm Lucas Werner. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you join us again next time.